Bashadi is a friend. Yeah, Eric DaCosta is a friend. Ozzie Newsom. Going back to Ernie Acorsi with the Baltimore Colts, who offered my first job ever in the NFL back in 1983. With Eric, we know he has a great understanding of the game. We know he has an under, a great understanding of the draft process. He had a great teacher, a great mentor in Ozzie Newsom. The, the, the best ever as a general manager. No, I love the hair. As a guy who also has a little a little poof in his hair, you know, I have trouble kind of containing this. Who is your barber, Mel? Welcome into the lounge. We promised Mel Kuyper Jr. And we got Mel Kuyper Jr. This is the ultimate draft analyst right here. Mm-hmm. He's the OG, and the great thing about Mel Kuyper is that he's got a little Baltimore tie to him. Yeah, he does. He uh, went to Calvert Hall High School. Uh, local guy, still lives in the Baltimore area. So, you know, he's got a little soft spot for the Ravens, and they're probably, I can say this for sure, he probably knows the Ravens better than he knows any other team in the NFL. Yeah, so if true. you want to talk dra- Ravens draft specifically, He's the best guy to get. I remember a few he, years he and, and Daniel Jeremiah were kind of spoiled. We are. We do have a lot of draft analysts that know this team very well. We have a That's DJ, a, great point. a former scout from here, so it's pretty cool. Um, well, funny story about Mel Kuyper. I remember several years ago for opening day, he was sitting one section over from us. You know, mm. on opening day in for the Orioles, everyone heads out pretty much from here. Oh, and, I know. And and Kuyper was sitting there one section over from us a few years ago, so he's still got the Baltimore thing going. Yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Anyway, uh, listeners will notice that only I am asking questions. That's not because Garrett didn't have any questions to ask. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for my opportunity to get in there. Just kept wanting to jump in, I got them all. <laughs> uh, it's because Garrett was, of course, not of working. Course. Of course, yeah, no, not I'm working. I was working. I was out of town at a conference in Denver, <laughs> NFL League meetings. So I got to go where the work is, and that's where the work was the past couple of days. I didn't realize the work was at happy hour after yeah. this conference This, this, this was an early morning, sun up to sundown meetings mm. nonstop. Mm. Gotcha. What's, well, it is kind of funny. We're even now. Because a couple years ago, I wasn't here for the Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, podcast, and now you weren't here for this year. So, when, anyway, whenever we ask Mel to torch. do the interviews for the podcast, he says, I'll only do it with one of you. That's so, like Joe Ortiz. He only, <laughs> <laughs> he only wants to answer questions from, from me, not you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway, that's a little teaser for our podcast with Joe Ortiz as well. Yeah. Uh, so we got a lot of good stuff coming to you. And uh, with all that said, let's jump right into it with Mel Kuyper Jr. Happy to welcome in ESPN's draft expert, Mel Kuyper, a Baltimore guy, Baltimore Colts fan growing up who is, uh, you know, I don't want to say you're biased towards the Ravens, but you've kind of adopted us as your team a little bit. I, I think we take a little pride in that. No question, right? you got to be objective. You, you, know, you try to be as objective as you can. And I do. When I'm sitting there, I, I, I take all oh, There's no bias, but Steve Bishotti is a friend. You know, Eric DaCosta is a friend. Ozzie Newsom. Going back to Ernie Acorsi with the Baltimore Colts, who offered my first job ever in the NFL back in 1983. So, yeah, it's just a case where you have so many people you're kind of rooting for. And I go to Raven games. So, you know, and Lauren and Kim, my daughter's a huge Ravens fan. So, again, yeah, it's hard not to be, but you got to be objective because people don't want you there to be you know, just you know, giving opinions that are all positive on a team because it's your, it's your local team. And we all that. You know, Todd McShay's up in New England with the Patriots, and you got to be objective there, and he is. So we all, we all have our local teams, and we all have our teams that were our favorites when we were growing up, as the Colts were for me. But, um, no, I think when the draft rolls around, and even during the year, anytime you're commenting, you, you really – you lose that lens, and you, you deal with it as 
somebody who's just objectively uh, evaluating a, a, a team or a player. <laughs> we'll just say that if you're on the border between an A and an A plus at the end of the day, you'll get you'll round up for us. Well, sometimes I don't because everybody knows I will. So I, I almost, it's funny when we do those grades the night, uh, the night of the draft, that's for fun. Immediately after the draft's over, Ryan, we do that. Okay, yeah. I evaluate the, and I always do the grade thing, and it's almost like you feel like I can't go there because I'll say, oh, you know, he's friends with everybody, so I gave him or whatever. So, so I kind of back off a little bit, at least from what I really would like to do sometimes. And uh, yeah, instead of an A, let's give him a B. Let's give him a B. Yeah, so I, I tend to always feel that people will view it that, um, like, Showing for the hometown, you know. Right, right, right. So, so you know Ozzie Newsom, you know, and, and what he's meant to this franchise. In your opinion, you know, obviously Eric DaCosta has massive shoes to fill. Just what do you feel like? You know, how good a job will Eric do, and and how do you think he'll be different from Ozzie in this draft? Well, I think a couple things. One thing about you know the evaluation process, there's no guarantees. And you look at various drafts, and for as great as everybody may be, there's always going to be drafts where you have some misses more than you do hits. So you want more hits than misses, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. You see general managers have success one place, lead to go somewhere else, and not get the job done. And it's just there's no certainty. There's no guarantee. We have head coaches have great success in one place. goes somewhere else, and it doesn't work. So it, there's, there's no – and sometimes they get fired, as Bill Belichick did in Cleveland. You go to New England, and you're on the best ever. So there's no – you can't say because somebody did good here, he's going to do great here. Or, do he, or he didn't do the job here, so I'll bring him in. Uh, everybody's ripping Cliff Kingsbury because he got fired at Texas Tech, and he was at USC. It doesn't mean he's not going to be a good coach at Arizona. I mean, he's going to be a great coach. So we don't know. So, again, with, with Eric, we know he has a great understanding of the game. We know he has an under, a great understanding of the draft process. You know, we're moving up, moving down. The Ravens have always been active with that. Mm-hmm. He had a great teacher, a great mentor in Ozzie Newsom. The, the, the best ever as a general manager. And one of the best ever tight ends in the NFL. So, I mean, Ozzie did it as a player, and he did it as a front office exec, executive. Got a great owner in Steve Bashotti to work for. Um, a great town to work in. Uh, a great fan base. Uh, tremendous stadium. Everything about the Ravens is positive, and I think that energy, that positive energy, I think feeds this organization. They've always had that great leadership in that locker room. Uh, they always have, will have that. Seems like Ray Lewis's energy is always going to be there. You always hope you get another guy like that. But I think Eric uh, understands that, and, and that let's hope it all falls into place. And the bottom line is, Ryan, it's going to get down to one of right, Ozzy's last first-round pick is going to be a key to the next three or four or five years is going to be Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Ravens, you know, as you know, have a lot of needs after the defensive departures, C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, Darius Smith. And then on offense, obviously, you have work to do at wide receiver and on the offensive line to build around Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned. If you're ranking the needs, wide receiver, edge rusher, interior O-line, inside linebacker, how do you kind of rank those? Well, I think you look at the uh, the linebacking situation, the interior or the offensive line. I think inside linebacker, interior, that center guard situation, I think it would be two areas. Wide receiver's got to be right in there. I think all three are kind of close, uh, depending you could flip it. I don't think you could argue if you put any, any order of those three, mm-hmm. whether it be wide receiver, inside linebacker, interior, offensive line. Um, those are the three key out areas they need to, to get some hole fillers at. There's a lot of depth at wide receiver. Wide receiver depth goes into the fifth round, I think. 
think. Uh, I think there's going to be some second-round receivers maybe better than maybe some that go a little earlier, maybe in the first. I think there's some there's some depth at linebacker and offensive line interior is one of the strengths of the draft. There's, there's not many tackles, Ryan, but there's a lot of center-slash-guard types. Right. I mean, Connor McGovern, Penn State, Michael Dieter, Wisconsin. Uh, you look at a guy like Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. Uh, there's a lot of those types of players in this draft. So a lot of guards that can play tackle, so that have the ability to do a, a Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. You know, Jonah Williams, Alabama. Uh, Cody Ford, Oklahoma. There's a lot of, you know, a lot, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois, Chuma Adoga, USC. I, I can go on and on. That, that tells you about the versatile offensive linemen available in this draft. Right. Well, let's start at wide receiver because, you know, always a popular subject in Baltimore. And it, it seems like there's a clump of guys that are, are probably late first into the second round guys. I'm, I'm talking, you know, or mid first DK Metcalf, you know, Nikhil Harry, AJ Brown, Miles Boykin, Akeem Butler, you know, or Sega Whiteside. And then you have like these speedsters like Marquise Brown, Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, those kind of guys. Of, of that cluster of wide receivers, what guy do you feel like fits the, be- the Ravens the best and why? You know, I look at, at DK Metcalf as a big, physically gifted receiver who you know, has to stay healthy two of the last three years he's been hurt because that only had 67 career receptions. Mm-hmm. More of a down-the-field threat. Now, he's going to get enough burst out of his break to get enough separation. That's the key with him. Uh, you think about Marquise Hollywood-Brown. If he wasn't coming off an injury, the Liz Frank surgery, he would be, uh, I think, a mid-first rounder. Now does he slide into the late first, early second? We'll see. He's only 166 pounds as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, all these guys are different. And you know, Terry McLaurin really came on. Some people say, well, he's a special teamer. He's actually a lot more than that. He became a, a big-time threat in that passing game. Uh, had a great senior bowl week like him. You want the big receiver who's kind of a power forward, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. You want a great run-after-the-catch guy, Debo Samuel from South Carolina. Paris Campbell, Ohio State's got straight-line speed. Some people are going to look at him pretty early in the second round. Miles Boykin, you want to see him become a little more physical, but he's a gifted player. had one really strong year this past season at Notre Dame. Then you got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, a 223-pounder, ran 4.49 in his pro day last week, had a really good career, averaged over 15 yards a catch, was a touchdown guy, red zone guy. Uh, he's a guy I think could go in the second round, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So there's a, a host of receivers, all a little different, A.J. Brown, Ole Miss, I didn't even mention he could be a good slot receiver. You mentioned Akeem Butler. You want to see a little more consistency with the hands with him. Uh, Manuel Hall, a good down-the-field vertical stretch guy from Missouri. So, uh, like I said, this is going to be a really good second and third, fourth-round wide receiver group. Yes, I think there's a debate going on in Baltimore about what kind of wide receiver fits best. You know, do do you want to put – uh, get a speedster early on to kind of take the top off because safeties are going to be dropping with the run game and Lamar Jackson, or or do you need kind of that big-bodied red zone guy to win jump balls? And in your opinion, which way do you see the Ravens leaning? Well, it may be a, a moot point in, in terms of where they're picking at 22 because DK Metcalf could be gone. Right. Now, Hollywood Brown could be there because of the injury. To me, he's a dynamic presence when he's on the field. He's healthy. You know, he's had some minor little things at Oklahoma and I'm preventing from playing, but he's, he's a guy that did get hurt this year, did have the Liz Frank surgery, and you saw his impact against Alabama. You know, early on, they were struggling. Now they got it together in the second half, and Kyler Murray brought them back and made that game interesting, but they did it without Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you look at a guy, I think that's a little under the rate, I wouldn't say under the rate, underrated Debo Samuel. He's just so good with the ball in his hands. 
And I think, you know, you look at what he was able to do now. Hey, DeAndre Baker and some other corners. He's gone up against some really good players throughout his career in the SEC. But he's an intriguing guy. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you talk about a big-body guy who can go get the ball and high-point the ball and be a red zone threat. He's the guy. And he has the production behind him for David Shaw at Stanford. And he ran, like I say, a 4.49, 4.50 at 223 pounds, played at 225. So, I think, you know, you're really, Nikhil Harry played for Herm Edwards. We spoke to Homer Edwards. I did on the radio midseason. He was raving about Nikhil Harry. So, again, I think McLaren's underrated coming out of Ohio State. Right. So, I don't think you really have to say what type. Just get the best receiver. Right. McLaren, some of these guys will block some wall. It depends what you want, the complete guy. There really isn't one guy that jumps out at you that way. But, you know, I think the, the, the guy that I think is the most, uh, you know, dynamic is Hollywood Brown. The most, you talk about upside as a red zone guy, it would be D.K. Metcalf and a down-the-field threat. You want an underrated guy, it might be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. So if the Ravens don't draft a wide receiver in the first round, or, or let's say they don't trade back and take one early in the second or whatnot, you know, they don't have a second-round pick as it stands right now. Right. Who are some third-round wide receivers that you think could make sense? Well, that's a good question because I, I think when you look at the depth at that spot in this draft, Riley Ridley uh, from uh, Georgia is a guy I think could fall into the third round. You want a slot? You want a Danny Amendola, Wes Welker type slot guy, Andy Isabella mm-hmm. from UMass, who's one of the fastest players in this draft. He's going to be an interesting guy, I think, at that particular point of the draft to say who's the third round possibly. Miko Hardman, a 4 3 guy out of Georgia, also has return skills. Jalen Hurd out of Baylor, formerly of Tennessee. See where he was a running back, big athletic kid with a great work ethic. Really, really studies the game, passionate about the game. I think those are some third round possibilities at the wide receiver spot. So, so moving on to edge rusher, you know, trying to replace Terrell Suggs and Zadarius Smith. Uh, you have Clellan Farrell projected at number seventeen in, in your most recent mock draft. Do you think there's any way that you know the productive Clemson DN could could slide to the Ravens at twenty two? And if he did, is that a no duh run the card up to to put in the pick kind of guy? He possibly could be. I say, when I say possibly, right? I, yeah, I have him going right in that the same general area. Yeah. You, know, you think about uh, you know sixteen. So we've always had him to Carolina, but Brian Burns there when I did the Great A. We have Giants taking Farrell. Uh, yeah, he's always been right at Carolina. You thought that's as far as he would drop, maybe to seventeen. Some think I know Todd may uh, McShay may have thought he would drop a little bit further than that in his last uh, mock that he did. Yeah. We'll see, but he could. He's, you know, he's not one of these dynamic edge rushers. He's a guy who's disruptive because of his length. You can move him around. He could be provide some scheme versatility. Um, the Alabama game, he was unblocked on the one play when he made the the, the, the behind-the-line stop that got everybody's attention. Jonah Williams didn't, didn't miss the block. He pulled, and the guy, he came up inside. and He did embarrass Williams once when Jonah was off balance, but I thought Jonah Williams held his own in that game for the most part. Farrell made his impact felt because he was able to obviously get some matchups that he liked in that game. Or I can say, Williams outside, he comes inside and there's there's the play but i think he's one of those guys if he was there i'd be a little surprised not shocked right uh moving on to interior line you know you and todd both projected a center for the ravens just different guys you went with eric mccoy he went with bradbury why do you do you think that mccoy is just a better fit for the ravens or he's a better player can you can you explain that 
I went with the guy, Ryan, who was a center guard possibility. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, Bradbury's a center. Bradbury's a gifted athlete with tremendous character and, and just he did a heck of a job for Ryan Finley, the quarterback at NC State in that offense, was a real leader of that football team. So if you want the true center, you go Bradbury. You want a guy who's going to play center or has the athleticism to be a guard, it's Eric McCoy. So I think uh, that's a guy that can help you in both areas. And the Ravens, center and guard, are areas of concern. So I think McCoy, because of the versatility, if you want the best true center, it would be Bad Bradbury, I believe. And, and guard, obviously, you know, an immediate need and possibly future with Marshall Yonda, you know, whenever he decides to stop playing. Chris Lindstrom, Cody Ford seem like the top two guys that are, are projected to be guard guards. I mean, Cody could probably tell you tackle too. But, right. you know, you had so much success with Orlando Brown, a mauler out of Oklahoma. Does Cody Ford just make too much sense to you, or, or do you feel like Lindstrom, hey, he'd be a great fit for Baltimore too? I would tend to go with Lindstrom because I think Cody Ford's more of a right tackle. He played it. Uh, yeah, I think that's where he's going to fit more uh, than at a guard uh, with the agility of Lindstrom and just a, a veteran presence. Played even a little right tackle during his career, but he's been a, a you know a, a dynamic. He's all about a dominator. Uh, he's, he's a plug and play. I think Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, yeah, he just I love the way he plays. When I say dynamic for a guard, he's fun to watch. I always say entertaining to watch is Lindstrom because he just goes after you. He and Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. You want to watch guys attack and play with a defensive mentality? It would be Reisner and Lindstrom. These guys get after it. They're fun. I even remember Joe Thomas when he was in Wisconsin. Say, here's a guy fun to watch on film. Right. And I think when you look at, at Lindstrom, Reisner, I think those are guys that are you, you, you just put them in that lineup. Forget about them for 10, 12 years. I mean, they're, they're that type of David DeCastro's, the guy that you knew were going to be plug-and-play guards. I think that's what Chris Lindstrom is. That's why I think he's almost right now. And I had him in there pretty early on going in the first round. I think Todd thinks he's going in there now. I don't see him getting out of round one. I think it'll be a really good mid-to-late first-round pick. At inside linebacker, it's kind of expected that the two Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush, will both be gone by 22. But Eric DaCosta said he's really, they've really studied those second-tier inside linebackers. Who are some guys you think in the third, fourth round at inside linebacker that, that could fit? You know, I think Bobby Okariki is a kid out of Stanford. And John Gruden and I, we have spent a lot of time in meetings together, and John always stressed, length for inside linebackers. You don't find a lot of guys with length, and that can be very disruptive to a quarterback. Everybody worries about the edge. What about up you know, in the middle of the field? And I think, well, you look at Okariki with those long arms, they could just be a disruptive force for quarterbacks. And I think you know, really a good football player at Stanford for David Shaw. And if he gets into the third round, Okariki from Stanford, Asione Takataki from BYU has played inside and out, all over the field type of a player for BYU, really came on strong this year, matured a lot during his career at BYU. Uh, he's interesting. Uh, Basin Joseph from Florida has a lot of versatility inside or out. David Long Jr. from West Virginia would be another guy. But I would go Okariki or Takataki. Okariki, Stanford, Takataki from BYU as guys I think in the third round would make some sense. Kaius, same question, kind of third, fourth round, edge rushers, you know, if they don't take one high. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of those guys. And I think you could see an O'Shane Ziminis from Old Dominion drop maybe down that far. I think uh, yeah, you look at a guy that I think could maybe make be a second, but probably a third, Chase Winovich from Michigan, who outproduced Rashawn Gary, who was going to go a little higher in the draft. Uh, he was certainly Ben Banigou from TCU uh, would be a possibility as well. I, I like Jamal Davis from Akron as a sleeper on day, uh, day three, somewhere in that fifth 
sixth round area. Christian Miller, Alabama, could be a nice fifth, sixth round pick as well. Or Jermaine Pratt from NC State, another guy could go in that fourth round area. Josh Jacobs, you know, everybody's kind of raving about him right now. He seems really hot. The Ravens obviously signed Mark Ingram. But do you think if the, if he, Josh Jacobs is sitting there at 22, is there any chance that they could say, hey, let's just have the best running backs uh, core in the league and just take him? I'd be a surprise if they did. I'm not big on running backs in round right. one, as a, you know, Ryan. I, <laughs> yeah. I think you can get these guys down the line. You know, you can always find these running backs. You think about Alvin Kamara in the third round a few years ago. You look at look at Gus Edwards, undrafted for the Ravens. Right. Uh, you think about Priest Holmes of the Ravens, undrafted. You know, you, you you can just find running backs. All these teams are able to do it. Uh, you look at the yeah, you know, look at what Atlanta's been able to do, getting running backs not in the first round, and you see with David Johnson in Arizona. Uh, you look at Marlon Mack in Indianapolis. Uh, look at Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's you know struggling a little bit in Jacksonville right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of guys. I mean, Green Bay's always had a pretty good history of finding running backs later in the draft. Um, that's a position you can do that at and then find guys. Look at Nick Chubb last year in the second round of the Cleveland Browns. It's like he's going to be a really good player for them. Um, you know, I just think that's a spot that, you know, you can, you can find a running back that slips through the cracks. Uh, so I would look at a guy like Jacobs' teammate, Damian Harris. That was a guy back in August, Ryan, that we thought would be maybe a first round pick at worst in early two. Right. He's kind of out overshadowed and outshined by Jacobs late in the year, midway through the year. Damian Harris is a high character kid, really good player. If he were there in that uh, third round area, he would be interesting. David Montgomery, dependable running back out of Iowa State, doesn't fumble the ball, earned his real estate at Iowa State with the Cyclones. Miles Sanders, Penn State. I'll tell you another kid, Devin Singletary of Florida Atlantic. Had a ton of yards, had a ton of carries, never was really banged up, you know, dependable, reliable. Only ran 4-6-6 at the combine. That will hurt him a bit. He could drop down and become a real bargain for somebody. Devin Singletary could, coming out of Florida Atlantic. Travion Williams has outside quickness, has a real good burst at Texas A&M. Did a great job for, ben, uh, for Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher had Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was a second-round pick to the Vikings a few years ago. Travion Williams did for, for Jimbo Fisher what what uh, he did. Uh, so I think when you look at the situation there, he can get it done. Justice Hill ran a great 40, showed explosive ability at Oklahoma State. I like Ryquell Rock Armstead at Temple. Yeah. Daryl Henderson at Memphis can catch the ball out of backfield. And the interesting guy, too, is Bryce Love. If he didn't get hurt against that cow with the knee, he probably would have been in that second, third-round discussion. Now maybe he drops down a round or two further than you think. I, I got two more for you. I know you're a busy guy, Mel, so I'll, I'll make it quick for you. This this sure. one comes from one of my Twitter followers. I, I, I let them ask one question for you. So that, okay, sure. This one's from Garrett Ferguson. He says, if there's one thing that Eric DaCosta could do in this draft that would truly surprise you, what would it be? Wow. Well, these are surprises. They're surprises because you can't predict them, right? <laughs> I would say that to Garrett. Yeah, people always ask me, tell me who the shocking first round pick is going to be. I was like, it's going to shock me. I can't tell you right now. Right? <laughs> I, 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 it's a shock because I didn't see it coming. A surprise because I didn't see it coming. So how about if I answer the question that way? I, All right. I can't predict surprises because they're only surprises that I didn't see it coming. <laughs> For me, it would be like a corner. You know, if they take a corner okay. in the first, that would be crazy. Okay. And, and my, yeah, they got a lot of corners, but they're, hey, the right. couple guys are going to be moving on. Exactly. 
Uh, they like to have depth. They like to have a lot of corners. But yeah, that would it would be a surprise to me if, if it's not like you say the positions that we covered: yeah. uh, an interior offensive lineman, you know, a wide receiver. Uh, they obviously a linebacker. I mean, those would be the three spots you would say, boy, uh, you know, you would think that it would be one of those positions. But hey, you know, you never know. And like I say, sometimes you don't. You get locked into needs, and you, if, a, if a really good player slides through the cracks, sometimes you do that. But no, that would be a surprise. But hey, like I said, I get that question a lot, Ryan, and that's the way I. Yeah. I've always answered it. I, I, I can't put it, I can't provide you with surprises and shockers right now. I will tell you about those though next week, in a couple of weeks after the draft. How's that? That sounds good. And, and last one for you, Mel. I love the hair. As a guy who also has a little <laughs> a little poof in his hair, you know, I have trouble kind of containing this. So I got to know because you're in my future. I think I'm gonna. That's I look at you and I say that's gonna be me here in a little bit. Who is your barber, Mel? Ryan, Kim Kuyper was my barber for all those years. Kim, well, when Kim, I, we met in 1988, okay, and the first thing Kim said is, I'm cutting your hair. I hate that long hair, okay? So, and John Wildhack, who's now the AD at Syracuse, loves Kim even more than he ever did because he got the, she said, he said, you did something we could never get him to do, cut the daggone hair. And so I got the haircut then, and it's been receding and receding. So basically, just getting up there, I'm 50, I'll be 59 in July, is taking care of a lot of that, Ryan, so I have to worry about that. An interesting story. We remember Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, who was phenomenal uh, uh-huh. for Sports Illustrated with his mock dress and, uh-huh, and uh-huh. did a great job on TV all those years at ESPN. Well, Dr. Paul is a good friend of mine. And Paul, when I, saw, I saw him at the draft in the mid-'80s. I came, we came in to do the draft. He was doing the draft, so we come in a couple days before. So I, mean, I think it was at the Grand Ballroom of the Marriott Marquis. So I walked in, shake his hand. I said, Paul, I was like, what do you think, you're a leader of a rock band? <laughs> he said, get that haircut. Can you get that haircut? So they all, I've had Paul tell me back in the day I should have got the haircut. Kim made sure of it. But Denny Kuiper, my cousin, is now cutting my hair. Kim passed towards to Denny. Actually, Denny's coming over Sunday to cut it, the last cut before the draft. Uh, they actually, Stephanie Drewley at ESPN, won actually a televised the final haircut of mine before the draft, and I, no. obviously, Ryan, you know me, I'm refusing that. There's no way <laughs> that's happening. So I said, no chance of that. Stephanie was a little disappointed. She actually wanted to put that out like reality TV's big now, and had that. I said, no chance of anybody coming into my house with cameras watching my hair get cut. <laughs> that ain't happening. And I, I refused that uh, that uh, request, but it's been interesting over the years. I think that, you know, getting older takes care of it, Ryan. Enjoy it while you can, pal, because I'm losing it fast. It's fastly come. Very, very quickly eroding to nothing how's that <laughs> well i look forward to all stages of the mel kuiper haircut so, so thank <laughs> great you so job, much Mike. call me anytime pal. you do a great job man all right thank you mel take care see you buddy take care man. all right well good stuff from mel had to end it with a hair question natural i mean well your your hair was a topic of conversation during harbaugh's press conferences for like a solid month last year that's true i wonder what harvest would think of mel kuiper's hair Ooh. He's he's the original big hair guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm kind of the following follower <laughs> in that regard. Well, I, Harv's likes mine high and tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not tight. the same style. Not the same style at all. No. But I think I'm heading that way. Mine is, like I said to Mel, it's poofy. <laughs> I, it's I, I have trouble containing it. It's it's just a little uh-huh. too much. I gotcha. So anyway, before we go, let's talk a little bit about the draft here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're less than two weeks away. Garrett, who's your first-round pick? Well, I'm not giving away my first-round pick. We will do the full seven-round mock here in a couple of weeks, so I don't uh-huh. want uh-huh. you to get any ideas. <laughs> I think I'm honing in. I think I am honing in on who it's going to be. And so I don't want you to try to steal him because that would be your move. Your move, you've never had an original thought. You just try to take my great ideas. So I think that may be what happens. Uh, you think what happens? If I 
tell you who we're going to draft, then who I'm going to take in my mock draft, then you're probably going to try to steal them. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. So, but here's what I do think. This is an idea that I think a lot of people agree with, is that I, I think that it's very clear that the Ravens want to trade back in the first round, and I think that they'll be able to find a partner to do so. I think if they stay at 22, they're not drafting a wide receiver. I think if they stay at 22, they will draft an interior offensive lineman or a defensive stud that falls down the board, whether that be a Devin Bush mm-hmm. or a Clellan Farrell. Cleveland Farrell. Cle- yeah. Thank you. You know, it, it looks like Clellan, but he, he, uh, at he the corrected combine, you? He, no, he didn't correct me. He corrected somebody at the Cleland. combine. It's Cleveland. Yeah. Okay, Cleveland Farrell or Devin Bush. Those would be probably my two guys I would point to who could mm-hmm. fall down the board. Or I think it could be a, a Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, or yeah. Eric McCoy, the center from Texas A&M. That would be my projection if they were to, some for some reason, just the phone doesn't ring, yeah. they get caught at 22 and say, all right, here we go. So you know what I was thinking about? So last week we went on the deep dive with wide receiver and really dove into that topic. And you brought up the point that in this offense, it's not as significant as it is in other offenses, which yes. I agree with. However, when you look at need, and I've been one that's saying all along that I love the idea of oh, the up biggest a, need, right? Absolutely. Like offensive line, even though I've said all along I'd love the idea of adding another stud that can come into play. Oh, you are are you getting off the no, offensive I mean, I, line bandwagon? But, it, but no, the ironic thing, and I've said this all along though, is that the offensive line is not really a need in the sense that you have all five guys coming back. It's just yeah. it's an upgrade situation. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you have Alex Lewis. And James Hurst right. at left guard. Right. Presumably, you should get pretty quality play from one of those guys as your starter. Right. Um, now, Alex has, has dealt with injuries. You right. Know, a he's lot. not right. And James dealt with a back injury last year. Yeah. Really, was the first time he dealt with an injury. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Ravens have had a lot of success in their offensive line with James Hurst as their starting left guard the year the year prior. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the reason that you say a lot of people say it's time for an upgrade there. And, and let's not. And also Matt Skura at yeah, center, center, yeah, right. So he started all game sixteen last last season. He started right guard when Yondo was out the previous year. So he's he's an ascending player. I think he's getting better, but you know, is he the the long long term answer? Is uh-huh. he a guy that you say, oh yeah, he's a top notch center? Probably not at this point of mm-hmm. his career. I mean, I think he's a solid player. Yeah. But when you have an offense like the Ravens project to have, where you're going to run the ball a lot, you really. Look at it and say, I want to have a, a B.A. offensive yeah. line. Right. You, know, you want to have an awesome O-line to really pair with that. Now, the flip side is you also can't just be a one-dimensional attack. If you don't draft any good wide receivers and you just like can't throw the ball well because yeah. you don't have any good wide receivers on the outside, well, now, like, heck, it, that's not dropping an extra man in the box. They're going to drop two extra guys in the box. Yeah. Three extra guys yeah. in the box, you know, like – they can well, that, and that's sell been, out. Yeah, and that's always been my argument with the wide receiver position is like you, you need to, you know, you, you want to, ha- you need to add quality players there. Like yeah. that is obviously the bigger need. Right. And so while I, I agree the position may not be as significant, the need is much greater. That's true. So how do you balance those things? That's so, true. Well, I, and I do think, I say if they stay at 22, I think it's the interior alignment or defense player. I do think if they trade back in late in the first round, early second round, I, I do think that a wide receiver makes a lot Joe Ortiz is peeking into our room right now. He can't wait to get on the lounge. Come in, Joe. Yeah, you can do the interview right now. You want to give him a teaser? 
Oh, Joe, come on, man. Give me a little teaser. <laughs> are we recording? We are recording. We are recording. I'll, I'll jump in like for a minute. Oh, nice. <laughs> is the third mic working? Give him a teaser. This is a teaser, right? It's not, I don't have to stay long with you, man. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. We'll, we'll, we'll limit it to uh, one minute here. I Go just ahead. heard the noise walking by, and you know, I, did, I didn't know what it was, and as I got closer, I realized there was a bunch of people talking about nothing they know. So. <laughs> well, full disclosure, we did see Joe at lunch just a little bit ago, and Garrett, and we called him over, and I said, Joe, we want to run by you who our favorite wide receiver is, and Joe's like, tell him what you said. I don't remember what I said. I probably said something along like, tell me what your list is, and I'll I'll use it during the draft. I know that. I don't know the <laughs> exact line. To blow your nose yeah, into yeah, yeah, no, no, you were basically like, trash. we've just had hours of oh, debates yeah, yeah, about Oh, yeah, that part, yeah. Yeah, I said the last thing I want to do is sit, sit here right now and listen to more people's opinions on players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just had to deal with six straight days of it, so I needed a little bit of a break. But I heard you guys rolling in here, so I, I had to see what was going on. And with the fogged windows, I can't, you can't see through, so I had to get down the ground and through the little, <laughs> the little glass at the bottom. Well, well thanks hey, for stopping in, Jeff. Hey, last, last question. What was the most heated moment in these draft meetings this year? Um, honestly... There were no heated moments. Oh, I, it, I know it, it, it's probably a letdown, but that's what happens when you get uh, a bunch of guys that have been together for, uh, I guess, 11 now, 12. This would be John's 12th draft with us, and a yeah. lot of the scouts have been here. We've all grown up here. So um, Eric, Ozzy, George, Vince, Chad, myself, we've been together for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the guys are just a couple years behind, you know, staggered along. So – it's just a really, really good respect and a really, really good flow to the, the meetings. And uh, everyone just – you're in there talking about your opinion and what's best for the Ravens. So I think when you go into the meetings knowing that, hey, what we're going to try to accomplish here is put the best board we can together to come up with the best eight to ten, however many picks we end up with, players that we can get to make this team better. Everyone's going into it with that idea. So there is no, you know – arguing yelling you have disagreements sure you know and and people may be passionate but never never really gets heated never really gets um too bad sometimes it gets long-winded you know (laughs) someone may talk and talk and talk you know and it could just be you because you're passionate about a guy or you're passionate about an idea and so that can get you want to move it along to the next guy but (laughs) you hit a buzzer stuck a little bit (laughs) no i do joke around with the guys our draft room is bigger I don't know if you guys have shown yeah, that. Yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah. We put that out anywhere. I don't, I don't even think know. so, but it is bigger. So, it's, yeah, it's nice. It's man. bigger, and it's got those big, you know, digital displays in it, giant whatever computer screens, really, for <laughs> yeah. a, a lack of a better term. But um, it's huge, and there's, like, that noise, and it's glass. So, like, there's not a good – there's nothing that grabs sound, like sucks mm. in the white noise, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really cavernous. Like, it's hard to right. hear people. So uh, Eric and myself and Ozzy are down at one end of the table. John and, he, you know, and some of the coaches and then the scouts are – there's some scouts at the other end of the table. And Eric and I sit next to each other, and we're just like, I can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> and so I go down to them during the break. I'm like – Hey, John, can you hear me? Because there was one time when I was talking and looking at him after I said something, and, and, and he's, like, shaking his head, and I'm like, can you not? He's like, I, I can hear you sometimes, but we need to know. I'm like, well, we can't hear you either. So you like, got, the you past know, two hours, you got to redo that. So, like, we don't even know what anyone's saying. No, it's <laughs> like, like when, you're re- when you're looking at the screen and reading what you're saying, you're not really projecting. Right. You're reading. So, right, right. So when that happens, and so, like, if John's reading his notes or I'm reading my notes, 
John may not. We can hear each other, but you have to it's strain hard. to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, versus like right now we're in the room looking at each other talking, and <laughs> so it's a little bit of a challenge. So I, but it's funny because I never thought my voice couldn't be heard because <laughs> I hear it fine and air. You know, the guys around me, right. we don't have an issue, but we have a hear, hard time hearing down there. So it's really the position you're at. Like if I'm on, <laughs> if you're looking at the table on the end, left to right, I'm on the right side of the table. So the guys talking on the right side, they can't hear me and I can't hear them, but I can hear anyone on the left side because yeah. they're talking towards me. So that's, we got to figure that out a little bit. I have these little <laughs> bell, I have this little bell that I use for the game contest one year with the scouts. And I thought about taking the bell in and just putting it at each end, getting another one and putting it at each end of the table. And whenever you can't, anyone can't hear, just tap just the bell. <laughs> and it'll just, and they know. just kind of perk up yeah. and start talking. So then what will happen is it'll become Pavlov's dogs, and people will just do, tap, <laughs> tap the bell anyway just to make people talk. So And then um, everybody's like, is it time for lunch? Right, yeah. Right. So, but no, it was, it was good good round, a lot of fun. And uh, looking 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 forward to the next two weeks Yeah, until we get to opening night, so to speak. Yeah, it's a fun time. It's a fun yeah. time. Well, thanks for stopping Absolutely, in, Joe. Guys. Yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. Be, we'll be back with you later. All right. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't count, by the way, as your podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Don't think you're getting all that easy. <laughs> See you, Joe. All right, so. That's a surprise. That's, you never know in the lounge. Yeah, exactly. You just they got sat your toes. Literally stops by the lounge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like the title. We, it never actually happens like our headlines say. Yeah. They just ha- stop in, but there you go. Uh, so anyway, thanks for listening. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. And we will be back with you with Joe and more draft talk as we get prepared for what should be a very exciting draft. Thanks for listening.